This week's episode of On Comedy Writing is brought to you by Audible. Whatever you're looking for, Audible has audiobooks for every passion. Get two audiobooks for free when you start today. Audible, they they have audiobooks. Uh, don't you love reading? But what do you hate about it? Um, creating worlds with your brain, stretching your imagination, um, you know, taking time away from music or podcast or or TV in your eyes and just kind of enjoying uh, the written word. You hate that stuff? Well, then we got Audible for you. What you get with your Audible membership, you get one credit a month, good for any audiobook regardless of price. Your own library to build. Keep your audiobooks forever and even to cancel. You know what's a better library? Um, you know, your local one. Exclusive member savings. Get 30% off any additional audiobooks. Easy exchanges. Don't love the book. Swap it for free anytime. Seriously. Uh, you know, download an audiobook or read a book or don't. You know, it doesn't really matter at this point. This has been a very... Uh, not even a really funny ad, just a kind of a sad ad. You can start your free 30-day trial of Audible by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash audible, and you get two audiobooks to keep whether you sign up or not. That's boardwalkaudio.com slash audible. This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. On comedy writing, on comedy writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. We've got a great episode, but first, the best way to support the show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Click the Support Our Artist button and shop on Amazon at Nearlywood, and I get a little kickback. Our guest this week is Berthi Gupta. She's done a lot of great online pieces from McSweeney's and The New Yorker. She's written for the television shows Friends from College and Speechless. She's a great writer, really funny. It's a great episode. So here is Berthi Gupta. <laughs> Uh, Brothy, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, where are you from originally? I am from Kentucky. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a basketball town, basketball state. <laughs> no, it's a town. <laughs> Kentucky is a small town in California. <laughs> Kentucky, California. Yeah, Kentucky is a small basketball town in California. <laughs> um, what, what, do you like, did you like growing up there? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it was, it was interesting growing up there sort of like uh pre 9-11 and then post 9-11 oh. it was interesting for like a brown family to be in especially like the south um but on the whole i liked growing up there yeah it, i think it was it was super fun when we were kids because kentucky there's just a lot of open spaces a lot of like nature a lot of horses just a lot of a lot of fun for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was sort of like being a teenager there was like being a teenager anywhere where you just hate yourself so much that right. the, where you are doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm from uh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, awesome. And uh, it is, I, you know, I always ask people where they're from in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of get the feeling that everyone just kind of generally just likes where they're from, but obviously wouldn't necessarily like recommend people to go there yeah 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 yeah. which is how i feel about dallas too oh really dallas is a cool city though well i don't know uh why do you think it's a cool city that's interesting to me well okay so my perspective on dallas is that i have a very close friend who is from there and if 
they produced her in some capacity, <laughs> then they must be fine. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, I just always thought of it as like a cool city. You know, Austin, I guess, gets the reputation for being like the really cool city. And yeah. it deserves it compared to Dallas because it's, it's a lot of just like... I heard someone once describe Dallas as like a place where people are just like spending time in air conditioning and just oh, like really? walking to more air conditioning. That's kind of, <laughs> that feels appropriate. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds, but that sounds like a good town. <laughs> it is. That sounds fun. It is wall to wall AC, unlike yeah. where we are currently right now, which is <laughs> quite hot. But, uh, but yeah. Did you, were you interested in comedy at a young age? Um, no, I was. So I didn't really know that comedy writing was a career until I was sort of like, until I was in college and I was um, a little bit pressed for what I was going to do next. Um, And by that, I mean first year because I just like put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, But yeah, I didn't, I did not know that comedy writing was a career. I was always certainly a huge fan of comedy and I was um, a kid that always wanted to be funny. Like that was, I mean... As soon as you hit puberty and you get facial hair, you're like, okay, I know I'm I'm going to go down funny and not pretty right now. Oh, I see. <laughs> there uh, are two avenues you can go down when you're in middle school. <laughs> so you were, were you like a class clown type? I was not a class clown yeah. type. No, not at all. <laughs> no, um, I was uh, I was like a quiet, I think, trying to be funny person. Like I had a lot of... Um, again, I was a huge fan of comedy, but I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of like wanting to, uh, like say a one-liner wanting to like say something really punchy, like whenever the time would arise for me to speak. Mm. (laughs) But no, I was not like loud at all. I was not a class clown at all. I really wanted to be, um, pretty like hidden, but, um, I also wanted to be known for like the couple of times that I spoke and I wanted that to be funny. You wanted to have like a great success rate. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to, (laughs) yeah. I mean, they say you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, but what if the only couple shots you took were? It's like uh, David Tyree who caught the ball for the New York Giants yeah. In that one Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. And he never did anything else. Yeah, exactly. It's a very uh, To Kill a Mockingbird kind of path. You know, you you write one hit and then you're out of oh, there. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> until you're forced years until later. You, yeah, until years and years later, someone takes another draft of something that you've written. They're like, yeah, she's cool with it. Yeah. That's so, that's so sad that it's, happened. Yeah, it's super sad that that yeah. happened. <laughs> so uh, when you went to college, what was your major? Um, I started out pre-med. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I started out taking like a lot of math science classes. And then after my first year, I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm not having fun. Um, which in life, you should always be having fun all of the time. True. <laughs> That's how everyone should live their lives. <laughs> everyone should have that luxury to have fun all of the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, so I, I used to be pre-med, and then after my first year, I was like, I don't love this. I don't even really like this. And um, I read a book of essays by Nora Ephron that summer, and then I was like, oh, maybe I can do something like that. Maybe I can write something that's funny. 
Um, and so I started to kind of do that. And then from, from then on, I was just so, I was hooked. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and then I was writing some pretty garbage comedy. (laughs) So like to be hooked on a thing that you're not good at yet is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's, there's that famous like Ira Glass quote that's like, I don't know. I forget how it goes, but it's something like you have, like, don't be discouraged because it's by your, 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 you'll start writing bad stuff. But you'll know it's bad because you have taste, and that's like the yeah. thing. That's the quote. I don't oh know what it's yeah, like. that's that's a good. Yeah, I feel like I've heard an iteration of that. Yeah, before people share it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we we all scroll past that on Instagram. <laughs> so, uh, what made you? What made you decide to do pre med in the first place? Um, you know, I always my dad is a physician, mm-hmm. and I always kind of thought that I would follow in that path. Um. But it was it was interesting. It was one of those things where, like, when you're a kid, you don't really think of the future as yeah. ever happening. So you just kind of keep studying whatever, like, your parents are happy with. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you that you're going to have to do that thing. Mm-hmm. My sister had a very similar experience because oh, I was really? always uh, more of the rebellious one. I was the, oh, really? the James Dean, if you will. The J- of the family. So I would always be allowed to do whatever I wanted. Here's the thing. In a family, if you look around and you can't see a James Dean, you're the James <laughs> you're the Dean. James Dean. Um, more like a Jimmy Dean, you know, yeah. the sausage man. But um, uh, my sister, so then they all kind of put it all on my sister, who's older than me, I guess. Oh, wow. Not I guess. She's older than me. Yeah. But I think it's kind of weird. You've done the math on yeah. that. <laughs> But I got uh, I got to do my own thing, and she like my mom's a dentist. Okay, and so she wanted my sister to be a, a dentist as well, mm-hmm. and so she did like she started on a pre med track. Oh, okay, and then quickly dropped it. Yeah, I feel like that's pre med's hard. Yeah, I have such high respect for anyone who does it. But it was like at a certain point, I always say this, and it always gets a lot of laughs. So get ready, <laughs> I'm saving more lives, not doing medicine. Oh, very nice. <laughs> dark (laughs) (laughs) true uh so when you when you started getting interested in comedy like you said you started writing comedy was that just like for yourself or for like a college thing or oh no i i was like i want to do this for real yeah i was almost immediately like i want to do this for real and so i switched majors to english which i went to a liberal arts school so it wasn't really like a it didn't really like take anything (laughs) we were all taking every class (laughs) um but I, yeah, so I, I was immediately, so this was, I guess I was like 19. I immediately was writing every day, actually, for three or four hours after I was done with my homework. Um, I would write just humor as much as possible. And again, it was terrible. I have like maybe hundreds of pages of this. <laughs> and it, like, I, I would much prefer nudes to be leaked than that (laughs) like I will send out nudes to distract people (laughs) Um, but I um but yeah so I was submitting to I started submitting to places like College Humor and then um I did I uh wrote a sketch that was performed at Second City and so then within like that first sort of like that was I guess like the second month of my wanting to be a comedy writer and so then my parents were who were very upset with <laughs> the fact that which obviously like can you imagine immigrating and then all of a sudden your kid is like i don't want to be a doctor i want to be a comedy writer right like that's 
that's a lot of entitlement yeah. for like several generations later. <laughs> well, like I told you, my mom's from India. Yeah. And my dad's from England, actually. Oh, okay. So I'm like a first generation American and yeah. I'm uh, podcasting now. So you can tell we're real, real Listen, happy about we're that. Listen, all, we're all trying to just make our parents... No, I guess we're not trying to make our parents proud. <laughs> no, we're just trying to make content, baby. We're trying to make content. You gotta get that content online. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are people gonna click on? Exactly. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so I um. So I was sort of immediately like, I want to do this in a professional capacity, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to get my writing out there in a more professional capacity than just sort of like doing it by myself Mm -hmm. which i was doing a whole lot of yeah so i was mainly doing it by myself but also attempting how do you have like the discipline to like after you finish your work to do another like three or four hours of writing um i think back then it was it was so new and exciting it was like i was it was like a honeymoon phase almost where i was like oh i'm now dating this concept (laughs) and now it's exciting and so i want to like constantly be engaged in it you know Mm -hmm. um and so it it was more like i I really wanted to do it more so than like actually having the discipline to sit down and be like no i can't get up until these hours are done Mm -hmm. or something like that um but yeah i think that it came from being very excited about it and i think it also came from like at that point, it was like my parents had told me, my parents had expressed their severe disappointment in me, which yeah. makes sense. But <laughs> um, so I was kind of at like a point where I was like, listen, I don't even have my parents' approval, so I've got nothing more to lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you start submitting like everywhere when you first started writing? Yeah, I, I was submitting to a lot of places. Um, I was submitting to McSweeney's and to College Humor. Um and I started writing, um, I, I I was like, I made a comedy column at our school newspaper that no one read. <laughs> um, and I like was the cartoonist for the newspaper as oh, well. Cool. So that was like a lot of what I was spending my time on. What, what did you like do the cartoons? Yeah. Are, yeah, you, I, are you a good drawer? Um, <laughs> I, I, I can get the job done. Yeah. I'm not, I, I will say I'm not like a, I can look at something and draw it, but I'm, I certainly can't come up with something to draw. Oh, interesting. You okay. know? Yeah. Like I can write something and then sort of Google like what do cartoon people look like <laughs> and then follow that. But I'm not like, I don't have like a style of drawing. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, cartoons did you do? I did mainly like, I did like small, like one panel, two panel mm-hmm. comics that were all just like about that were all just centered on like one joke yeah do you have a favorite one um no these were all very bad (laughs) but i can uh i can tell you one which is um like a a sign that says no miners allowed um in front of a bar and then a bunch of coal miners sadly walking nice thanks (laughs) 19 year old me was like this is (laughs) genius more people need to see this it is weird that like because i I, in college i did like um uh we had like an onion type thing Mm -hmm. and uh i was like really proud of it at the time and it's probably all so bad (laughs) well here's the thing is like again that ira glass thing if you know it's bad 
means you've got taste. Well, at the time I didn't. At the time I thought it was no, great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but now you know your taste has evolved. That's true. That's the sequel to Ira Glass. <laughs> Uh, what's it you on a lot of these humor pieces that you did you've worked with a partner on it like a writing partner yes how did you get started with that how does that like process work so I was writing and those are mainly um, for the New Yorker which I started writing for uh, shouts and murmurs when it was like my last year of college um, when Emma Allen who's the genius editor of shouts and murmurs reached out to me and then I was like I guess you're adopting me now. <laughs> I guess we're blood related. But um So you started writing uh during college. Yeah, I wow. started writing during college. Um and so from there it was like connecting with other writers through shouts pieces. Um and so someone that I collaborate a lot with is um a writer in New York, Karen Chi, who's one of the funniest people in the world and she and I we were like writing a, a ton of more political shouts pieces together. Um, and that I met her online. Like I met her on Twitter and I knew of her because of her like own individual shouts pieces. Um, so that was fun and exciting. And mm. that's, it's definitely um, a lot more fun to do a shouts piece with someone mm-hmm. than to do it on your own. And so do you like, is political satire kind of what you like to do? Yeah, I think when it comes to um, writing a piece like a Shouts piece, because that's a, it's like a short humor piece, I think that I, I, uh, I think that political comes more easily to me because there's often like a specific thing that you can parody, mm. like a specific sort of like form that you can follow. You know, like you can follow like a letter of resignation. Right. You can follow like a trying to think of other. You can just there are just a lot more forms that are like already built into that news that you can look at and you can. Yeah. And it's easy to play off those like tropes of those things. Yeah. It's easy to play off of those tropes. And it's also um, I think, again, this is all just to me, it's easy to like read a news piece and think what would the game of this news piece be mm. you know and then kind of like go from there follow that game in a certain form mm-hmm. this is like a, <laughs> i'm telling you my very like boring mathematical <laughs> way about it and it's so not funny <laughs> <laughs> oh this doesn't have to be funny uh when you when you have like a, a political piece and a political idea how fast do you have to like write it up and send it in so that's still timely and relevant yeah so that's actually an interesting thing about obviously that's the only interesting thing that's come from this administration <laughs> is how fast news goes by um no i mean it's it, it has been um something where like you can't just sit on a piece for like a week or even like two days and so i guess at my sort of like height of writing for shouts um like when i was writing most frequently which was probably like a little over a year ago it was that I would check the news because I I have a terrible sleeping schedule, which is that I sort of don't sleep, but also am sleepy all of the time. (laughs) Um, So at like 5 a.m., I would, wow. yeah, at like 5, 5 a.m. Yeah. Sounds so bad. It sounds, t- I I don't recommend 5 a.m. <laughs> Just as a time in general, yeah. don't recommend it. <laughs> Nothing good is happening at 5 a.m. And so I would check the news. 
Um, and if something was happening that I felt like, oh, this is a headline that I could make into a game that I could write into a piece, I would just write that up as quickly as possible and then send it over to Emma by like 6 a.m. or something. And then often on that day it would come out. Oh. So it was like, it was really thanks to my terrible sleeping habits. <laughs> you, did... It was really at the expense of my own health, <laughs> which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. Let's well, side back, side Side back, side effect of this yeah. administration. Side back. <laughs> no, it's a side back. John side back. John Steinbeck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> uh, when you send this into like New Yorker, does she give you edits to do or? Yeah. So <laughs> she, well, she doesn't. It was pretty fast, so it was like she would send me her edits, and I would like look over them. And she's such a brilliant editor that I would at some points even be like do i don't need to look over this again yeah. before she i like think that she should just edit and put it out because she's just she's correct <laughs> about all of her edits so yeah the editing process was not hard mm-hmm. i didn't like send in another draft or anything how do you think uh political satire has tackled trump in general um in general i think that there has been i mean there's had to have been so much of it, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's like you almost can't do comedy unless it's somehow politicized in some way because our world is so politicized. And it's like kind of, I mean, I personally am of the sort of school of thought where it's like if you're not making, if you're not at least sort of involved in politics, then like, you're missing out on a lot of what will inform culture and creativity currently, you know? Um, and I, I also just think that it's it's a huge privilege to not be involved in politics right now, and you should definitely try and be as involved as possible. So that's why I think that, you know, so much comedy is political now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of it does it very well. It's tricky because of... Um, it, because of how hypocritical, you know, the right can be when it comes to free speech and then when it comes to policing comedy and things like that. Um, so there have definitely, I think that, like, a thing that I am thinking about currently is, like, Sam B., you know, when she said what she said about Ivanka and how there was, you know, such a backlash from it and everything and I I think that that's um that's something that's very like obviously I'm completely on Sam B's side there um but it is something that like we're all kind of trying to figure out how Mm -hmm. exactly to navigate making a joke in a way that will not necessarily alienate a group of people but will also um be able to like cut through what's happening and i don't know if that makes sense no it does it's it's interesting like um with sam b she had to like apologize yeah uh which sucks which sucks yeah and then like michelle wolf uh she like you know kind of stuck to her guns and didn't apologize and you know they both still have their shows they both like still came out fine yeah and um i don't know i think you can't give them an inch you gotta just fight through it like michelle wolf did yeah i think i think so too i think that that's something that oh yeah i think that that's something though that we're all kind of we're having to experiment with and then learn 
you mm-hmm. know, like how exactly do we want to navigate this? It's crazy. Like Disney just fired that J- uh, James, James Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. 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 I never, I, I never read those tweets, but I read all about what yeah. had happened. And it's, it's I mean, it's, <laughs> I, it, well, it, it is just this sort of, it's a lot of hypocrisy coming from the right that mm-hmm. like, you know, not only spews a lot of vitriol just verbally, but creates policies that also will it's all rooted in such hatred right yeah so it's like when it comes to like what's more harmful right now you know like the policies that you're backing or like like one of who's it george carlin's seven words or whatever (laughs) that you can't use on tv (laughs) would would you want to do like more political stuff in, in television um i think that so right now i'm on a show called speechless on abc and it's the most wonderful it's Mm. such a wonderful show and it's a family comedy um and it's not inherently like it's obviously because it's of its nature it's a family comedy on abc it's not like a it's not like a political like kind of late night or even like really rooted in a political atmosphere kind of show um but I think that uh the show like employs a lot of diversity and it employs a lot of um awareness of you know people with disabilities and it 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 just I think that it's I would say it's almost like culturally political in how like in how widely accepting it is and how um and how much you know it like and i don't really know what words i'm trying to say right now <laughs> but the point is i think that it is sort of inherently like a very uh it's like a celebration of diversity in a lot of ways that to me now feels a little bit political yeah in this time in this time it's like if you even have like one person that isn't a straight white man or roseanne you're like all of a sudden politically charged right you know if you have roseanne you're really politically charged yeah (laughs) um but like if you don't then you're just you're a liberal cuck right um (laughs) but yeah it's it's a very um and it's a show that's centered around a working class family. Um, so it's it's got a lot of um it's it's got a lot of like sort of cultural um it brings a lot of like cultural awareness, I think. Uh going back so. to humor pieces, what is like the thing that you like about humor pieces that you can do comedically that you couldn't necessarily do on TV? Well, the thing about humor pieces is that, you know, it it's sort of more similar to a sketch in that you're making one joke and you're sticking with one game. Like, there isn't... It's almost like an enemy of narrative because there's no... You don't want there to be a conclusion when you're writing a humor piece, you know? Mm-hmm. You want it to end on its funniest note and you want it to end, like, at its most heightened. Whereas I think when you're writing for narrative television when you're writing scripts and stuff you're writing stories that will sort of come to a conclusion of some sort or like will feel like it's um it's not ending at this kind of crazy heightened space you know Mm -hmm. so i would say that that's like 
it's sort of like the technical nature of writing a humor piece is almost the exact opposite of writing Mm -hmm. for a narrative. But um, I think that there's a lot more, there's a lot of like political specificity that you can put into a humor piece. And obviously because the turnaround is so quickly, is so quick, um, it's, uh, you can really delve deep into a particular issue that I don't think you necessarily can when it comes to um, a show that isn't a late night show, right. you know. And when you're when you're writing these pieces, are you approaching it very like technically? Like this is I need a joke here, I need um, a setup here. Sometimes I will. Sometimes I will like approach. I'll so like my whole process is that I will again wake up at five because I don't know I've angered God in some way (laughs) and um like no alarm will just wake up then wow um it's hell (laughs) um and I'll read the news and then I'll try and come up with like if I can come up with like a joke right off the bat that can sort of carry a game throughout then I'll like write that down and sort of like very loosely outline beats for it And then I'll go through and like write a full draft of it. And then I'll go back and see where I can add more jokes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just like this three-step thing that I tend to do with all of the pieces that I'm writing. And and is that outline process like the most important process? Um, To me, it helps a lot just because then my thoughts don't get scattered. Um, So I think, yeah, for me, it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite humor piece you've done? Oh, my favorite humor piece I've done. Um, let me think. I recently, by recently, I mean like a couple months ago, I wrote um, like a Mad Libs type thing um, for Shouts and Murmurs, and I forget what it was, but <laughs> I remember sort of liking it, which I can look up. Um, another piece that I really um that I both enjoyed writing and I thought um it turned out okay was um it was actually the first shouts piece that I ever wrote and it was called ordering uh lunch for the office a Greek tragedy and so it was like written in the form of a Greek tragedy but you're like doing a group order (laughs) um because and that was inspired by um a group of my group of friends in college, there were like eight or nine of us all wanted to get dinner, all wanted to order delivery. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, I was the one doing all of the ordering. (laughs) And so for like an hour straight, I was fielding calls from friends who were like, okay, if this comes with rice, then I need to have this. But if it doesn't come with rice, then get me a Coke. But which is like, why? Nothing makes sense. (laughs) What meal are you ending up with? Like you're just, you're, just doing this to prank me. Right. Um, but yeah, so that, I think, I, that was one of my mm-hmm. favorite pieces. That night I wrote that because I was so mad at everyone. Really? <laughs> I was really <laughs> mad at everyone. So I was like, you're going to turn this into art. <laughs> and that's like a very like relatable thing. Cause I, I mean, yeah, I was just thinking yeah. all the times that happened to me. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. That's why I, like, because at work we do a group lunch order every day and i'm always like oh i feel so strongly that this goes smoothly for whoever is doing this uh speaking of uh friends from college 
the first wow. TV show you wrote for yes. was Friends from College. Yes. Uh, how'd you get that job? Um, so I got that job through a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, Priyanka Matu, who is just like a Hollywood powerhouse. She's amazing. She's a writer now. She used to be an agent. Um, she is friends with the creator of the show and sort of like recommended that he read my stuff. And so then he reached out to my managers and then that's kind of how it happened. Mm -hmm. I interviewed, um, didn't make him vomit and (laughs) (laughs) and then I got onto the show. What's it like when you do like one of those interviews? Um, it's very, uh, it, it feels like a date. Um, and so this, this guy, Nick Stoller, who's so funny and he's so like, he's done so many things. Um, he has done a whole bunch of movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Get Him to the Greek, all of those things. Um, he and his wife actually created this show. Um, and so I just like went over to their house and I interviewed and it was just like, it felt, it was great. I was, I immediately turned it into therapy yeah. and I was like, these are all of the funerals I've been to. <laughs> and they were like, we asked what college you went to. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and did you have a, a pilot at the time? I had a pilot at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had written a pilot. Um, I had written two pilots. Uh, one of them was worse than the other. <laughs> and so the less bad one um, ended up going around to people. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I wrote pilots pretty much as soon as I got to L.A. Mm-hmm. And was that like, knowing like, okay, I want to get a TV job? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like always pretty set on getting a TV job. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I wrote those pilots thinking that, and well, so I I was, because I hadn't gotten a job, I was like, I'm very open to like late night. Obviously, you know, I can do the political stuff and sort of the one-liners as well. So I did a few late night packets and then I also did these pilots because I was like, mm-hmm. what if this could also happen? Yeah. Because that's also, I was pretty like 50-50 interested mm-hmm. in both at the time. What, what's your approach to writing a packet? Um, a late night packet? Uh, so for a late night packet, they will often give you right, yeah. guidelines. So that's my approach, <laughs> <laughs> following the guidelines. <laughs> but do you like, like, I guess usually you get it with like maybe like four or five days? Yeah, yeah. And so do you, like, immediately, you're just, like, that's the only thing you work on for that time? Or do you, like, put it... Yeah, I try to, like, do it section by section, but Mm -hmm. it ends up taking a very, like, how I did my homework route, which is, like, I end up just, I don't do it during the day, just in the middle of the night in bed. It might be nocturnal. I don't know. We're finding (laughs) out a lot. (laughs) Uh, So this was your first TV writing job. Yeah. Was that like a crazy transition going into like a TV job? Yeah, it was very like I found everything immediately extremely cool in a way that like I think I did a pretty good job playing it cool relative to how I was feeling about it. Because I was even at the point where I was like, note cards. (laughs) I've heard of these being on cork boards. Um, So I was just like so excited about everything. And like Nick and Francesca were great bosses to have and they were very encouraging it was it was definitely a show where um it was i i was the youngest on staff i was 23 
when I was on that show and it's definitely it's the demographic of the characters are definitely like much older than I am so that was I was like very grateful for how like open to my suggestions or to my pitches Nick and Francesca were Mm -hmm. because like every time they responded positively to me I was like I don't you don't know (laughs) you don't know that I have any life experience because I don't (laughs) are you like when you're like the youngest in in a room are you like very cognizant of that um well I try not for me it's a little bit weird because I so now I am 24 a lot older than I was last year. Um, but I look a hard 15. Like, I, I don't look much older. than I look like driver's permit age. So it's so it's interesting being the youngest in the room just age-wise, but also looking much younger. Like, I used to always tell people, like, at the Friends from College writer's room, if any other person outside of the staff walked in there, they'd, like, immediately know who the Make-A-Wish recipient was. <laughs> like, that's the vibe that I give off. <laughs> so do you, like, um, I don't know, do you try to do anything that's, like, like, you put away uh, your, G- what's it called? I don't know. I don't even know what reference I was going for. I was going, iPhone? No, nah, I was going for, like, uh, Tamaguchi. Oh, Tom. Yeah, for Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. I was going for a Tamagotchi reference. I might edit that out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you try to like, I don't know, try to act older in any way or try to like do anything? Um, I think that, yeah, there were definitely times in which I was all of a sudden like, yeah, this is what would happen to two people in a marriage. And then I was like <laughs> immediately kind of reeling back like, no, <laughs> I don't know any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there were times when I was trying to definitely act older than I was and those were not (laughs) my brightest moments. (laughs) I think, yeah, I would definitely try to like contribute as much as I could from like an honest experience place, Mm -hmm. um, which often would not be about marriage. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very much like. It was because of the huge age difference between me and the rest of the writers. It was kind of like, okay, this is kind of out there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was like less, like we just kind of were immediately able to go into joking about it. Mm-hmm. And so being that you were like so far from the characters, so far from the character's age, like are you trying to pitch just like on relationship stuff or like human stuff? Yeah, I mean, just like I, because here's the thing is like, what I learned on that show was that even if you haven't gone through those specific experiences, you can still sort of empathize with like how a human would react to a certain situation, even if it is coming from a place like a marriage or right. if it's coming, you know, or if it's coming from like having had or like switching careers or things like that, you know, like it's definitely even if you haven't experienced those specific things you have experienced change in some way and you've experienced like difficulty in relationships Mm -hmm. in some way so I think it was like accessing that gave me an opportunity to be more like honest about what I could pitch you know right and uh, did you join the show in the in the second season yes so what's it like joining like an existing room like that um it was so the show is a little bit because it's like only eight episodes, it was sort of like writing a long movie. Mm. And so it was very much like it didn't feel like I was 
like lost, you know? Yeah. Because it was so, there was like so much to like create anew there, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Also, I mean, second season, you're still in, like it's not, things aren't too set in stone, you know? Yeah, especially if it's eight episodes. Especially if it's eight episodes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you mentioned earlier, but you're now working on Speechless. Yes. Uh, How'd you get that job? So that job happened because I, you know, it was during like pilot season. I was submitting everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that happened. I interviewed with... When you you submit to places, are you sending like your pilot? Are you sending like... Yeah, so my agents are sending my pilot around places. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's like they're sending it kind of everywhere into link studios and mm-hmm. and then studios are sending it to showrunners i think this is how this works <laughs> i don't know i could be very wrong on this <laughs> there's a chance that my working there is a clerical error <laughs> uh, but i'm staying <laughs> uh it's then you got you got hired from your pilot yes mm-hmm. did you yeah. have to like interview again or yeah so i interviewed with the showrunners um, which was again like a very kind of relaxed, super chill interview that mm-hmm. I quickly just like into. this, just like this, yeah, very chill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're floating in a tank right now. <laughs> uh, I can't see that. No. Um, but yeah, it was it was like a very um kind of it was a casual kind of like just talking to the showrunners. Again, quickly turning into therapy for me for some reason. <laughs> Maybe I need to find a therapist. <laughs> Whatever, I'll never do that. <laughs> uh, what's it like going from like a, a streaming show to a, like a network show? Um, the schedules are a lot different. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so because this is a 22 episode order. Right. So this is like, whereas on Friends from College, we sort of wrote mostly all of the scripts before a table read of all like the first like seven or all of them all of the episodes whereas like here there's a table read for each episode and there's like a lot more it's sort of like the schedule is much busier in terms of like there's constant production while there's writing you know so it's like you're kind of whereas on friends from college it was writing first and then production right so i didn't and production is in new york so i didn't get a chance to like go out there um here it's we're writing on a lot you know so we're like our office is next to the stage where we shoot Mm -hmm. so there's just a lot more i'm learning that there's just a lot more like production stuff that we are aware of and that's sort of happening concurrently yeah is that stressful um not for me i don't have to do anything (laughs) (laughs) Do do you get to like see like them film like when you're like the stuff you've written yeah i think yeah, I think I'll be able to see yeah. that at least for like whatever episode I get to be a yeah. bigger part of. Are you gonna like be like on the side like pitching alt jokes or anything like that? I, know I don't some, know. Some shows used to do that. I, I don't know. know, but I would love to pitch alt jokes and then be like, "You're not getting it," and then just push <laughs> them out, and then all of a sudden become the star. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that's what Check I will be mini, doing. Mini driver, mini driver, right? Yeah, yeah mini driver. Excuse for a second. I was like, I. I'm like, I can be a better actor than you, Mini Driver, <laughs> Academy Award nominated actor. Uh, and then you mentioned too, like Friends from College was kind of a, like a broader comedy, or just comedy compared to 
uh, family comedy now. So how's it like been? So Friends from College was actually, actually I think, more of a grounded comedy. So it was oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it was more of like a, it was, yeah, it definitely came from like a much more grounded place than I think a lot of network sitcoms will come from. Um, so it's like Friends from College was definitely like the conceits all had to be like very realistic you know whereas I think that we have a little bit of ridiculous wiggle room when it Mm -hmm. comes to like a network family comedy right are you do you like breaking story more or like doing jokes more um I think that I am better at jokes um, but I would like to be good at breaking story. <laughs> so that's an aspirational good at. <laughs> uh, and the, sh- the show is specifically about a, a family that's raising a teenager with a disability. Yes. How do you uh, write jokes like about that? So we actually, Scott has, um, you know, like he sort of at the beginning of the season, he was like telling all of us new writers that, you know, he has these sort of like points that he wants to come across in the show which is that he obviously wants it to be funny he wants there to be like a comic specificity of disability which is basically that um you know we'll find funny situations that would specifically come from a patient with cerebral palsy you know that would specifically come from maybe a person using a wheelchair or something like that right um and uh then there's like the aspect of this very rock star family that is a they're a working class family and they're very like they're just kind of trying to get by um we see them like their ways on like saving money wherever they can um and then uh sort of like the last big thing is non-cynical which is that you know we never want to make this family seem like they're living in cynicism right because of what they're going through as a family it's it's like this family will always make it work somehow despite you know despite and maybe even because of all of the things that kind of life is throwing at them Mm -hmm. when it comes to like money problems when it comes to health problems when it comes to you know anything that we writers throw their way i guess (laughs) uh not enough shows are about like money problems i feel like i feel like that should be like the number one i know that's like roseanne's appeal was that it like it was was a working class family yeah especially because this is like a time of such economic anxiety for everyone yeah economic anxiety yeah 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 that's the code word for racist (laughs) oh i don't mean that yeah i didn't mean it like that i meant no i know i just meant that you know i mean i think the like the the thing that's like maybe the most well I don't know Trump's kind of changed that before Trump I think the thing that like was the biggest that, problem in the country was that everyone's like, struggling for money I mean it was a big draw yeah it was a big draw for a lot of um, I mean specifically in you know places like the Rust Belt that was a huge draw because there were so many I mean so many small businesses were suffering and so many people were just suffering financially they weren't able to get you know just like health insurance and things like right. that and they were like we need this change yeah to happen and it was like they you know i guess in that situation hillary wasn't specifically they felt like hillary wasn't specifically speaking to them mm-hmm. and then uh now they're sort of grappling with the fact that trump is right. not doing anything for them either yeah and maybe in a worse way <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like in, in comedy today i feel like 
most comedy movies in general are like about very upper middle class yeah white yeah. people generally yeah that's a, I, I mean that's a huge draw for me with this show i mean other than the fact that the show is just a hilarious show i think that jokes are so funny and the writers are just incredible i'm like so honored to be around them all the time um i actually like look forward to work which is extremely nerdy but <laughs> um yeah it's like this show is so funny but it's also you know this is a family who has a lot of working class struggles that we get to you know that we get to talk about and think about um and then that people get to see and maybe relate to maybe laugh with yeah you know yeah there's a lot of good sitcoms now kind of about similar things like that yeah which i guess is kind of a response maybe yeah there's listen there's a lot of content out there yeah (laughs) yeah find your content where you can get it find your content where you can get it exactly it's like a new slogan find your content like find your beach like (laughs) yeah exactly um do you like balancing like the emotional stuff that you have to like pay off in a sitcom as well as like the jokes yeah, I think that that's something that I've learned to really love a lot because, you know, I was always much more comfortable just writing jokes mm-hmm. because that was my writing experience for Shouts and for McSweeney's and places like that. Um, but I think that the more emotional stuff, it, like, makes you a way better storyteller, mm-hmm. you know? And that also, like... If you can put emotions and jokes together, man, you're all set. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> That's like, a show. Like the show, like like The Simpsons is known for like being like a joke machine, mm-hmm. but it's also got like some of the best like emotional. Payoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I think that you know at its core, it's about again this family who's just making everything work. Right. And the way that you do that is through the strength of the relationships mm-hmm. within that family. Mm-hmm. You know, so those. Those kinds of journeys, I think, have been really wonderful. I mean, I've only been on the staff for like two months now, but it's been so just wonderful to be a part of and to see. And I mean, before I joined to watch, it was so like it was it was like a deeply touching show without being saccharine, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What's uh, surprised you at working in sitcoms? Um. I don't know that I've been super surprised by a lot, but I think I have what I've learned is story. Mm. I think that that's something that I not that I wasn't prepared to do in the sense of like I was sort of disarmed by it, but I was like, I know this is not a strength of mine. Right. And so just being around that and being around breaking stories that and seeing how much how like important it is to break a story before chiming in with jokes right and before writing those down you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think that that was definitely like a very good lesson for me Mm -hmm. what would you like to be doing next um just next career wise or after this (laughs) (laughs) just in general i guess just in general (laughs) um i don't know i think career wise Listen, I'm young. I want to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be an American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Are you really? No. Uh, I, I wasn't but... sure if that was like a real thing you were going to do. <laughs> no, that's so nice of you. <laughs> that's really nice of you to believe me. <laughs> um, what would I like to be doing? I mean, I, I want to still keep writing for screen. I really love writing for screen. Um, obviously, like I would love to make my own show or miniseries or 
I don't know, whatever is on Instagram stories in like four years. <laughs> yeah. I'll be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Um, so we're going to wrap up with a, a sketch idea. Great. I'll pitch you a sketch. Um, oh, this is a weird one. Uh, I hope you pitch me more cowbell right now. Yeah. So it's Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. Uh, no, that was, that was more cowbell. I don't, I don't know if you got that or not. Um, what's going with it? Okay. So it's it, very successful. So, uh, it would be a commercial mm-hmm. where, uh, firefighters mm-hmm. are explaining that they're, they're renting out fire trucks mm-hmm. as party buses. Okay. Because they've, uh, got like government funding got cut. Mm-hmm. And so then, so they have these like buses full of, uh, like people partying, yeah. But they're fire trucks, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they keep every time they do it, they keep having to stop because there's a fire. Oh, that's fun! And so you have to kick them out and then go go save the fire. That's really fun. <laughs> so that's my that's the sketch idea I had today. <laughs> for this, that's very fun. Yeah. First of all, I'm sold on the actual idea. Right. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to take a joyride in a fire truck <laughs> that stops to save lives for a second. Yeah. Especially getting drunk in the in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Alcohol and fire. Alcohol <laughs> puts out fire, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> it um, specifically does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> specifically makes it much worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it should be a commercial or not. <laughs> I think that it, I think a commercial is good for it. Yeah. I think a commercial is great because I think that you're advertising that this is uh, like a new service that you're offering people. Um, I think that the commercial can get, like I I like that it heightens into people having to get off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like while it heightens into that visually, what could be fun is to keep the infomercial tone, you know, that very like upbeat sort of like bring... Bring like your, I don't bring your like quinceanera after party on this <laughs> party bus, or like bring your bachelorette party onto this party bus. But like while they're sort of like talking about how amazing it is, you see like a bunch of drunk women from a bachelorette party or drunk men from a bachelor party who are just like hammered, but also having to like put out a fire. Right. Yeah. You know, like also having to help yeah. and become firefighters. Yeah, that's fun in that moment. Them, yeah. So I think that like having the visual and then the like the words mm-hmm. sort of like contradict each other in terms of tone is very fun. Yeah, that's I like doing that. I like confusing someone yeah, no, that's, that's watching fun. it. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, anything you want to plug? Um, what do I want to plug? I mean. Can I plug someone else's show? Sure. Chop Jr. Oh, Chop Jr. Okay. Yeah, definitely watch Chop Jr. My <laughs> friend, dear friend, Dylan Galula, who's an actor, also a comedy person, who you should follow on Twitter. She and I are going to watch Chop Jr. later. Oh, I thought she was going to be on Chop Jr. No, no. I guess <laughs> for little kids, right? Chop Jr. Yeah, it's yeah. for little kids. No, but we just, she got Hulu, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to watch Chop Jr., so if I could just plug Chop Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guest plug The Sinner today for fun. Oh, the okay. The Jessica Biel show. Yeah. So, so, yeah, a lot of people plugging other yeah. shows. <laughs> All right. A lot of bits that <laughs> you're definitely not tired of. <laughs> All right. No, it's fun being around comedy people all day. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was so fun. 
than a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.